1: Great form by you hitting play on this podcast. Now, check out Same Racer, the brand new racing app for Same Race multi-tips. Same Racer. Download from the App Store and Google Play. Powered by Bluebet. Gamble responsibly. Call one 858 858 On
0: 882 6PR, inspiring stories for Barra and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything.
2: Hello, my name is Tim McMillan. Welcome to another episode of Inspiring Stories brought to you by Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Uh, my guest in this episode uh, was actually born in Victoria, in the suburb of uh, the lovely suburb of Kew, I think, in, in Melbourne, but we're claiming her very much as a West Australian now, so much so that we've even uh, made her a West Australian of the Year uh, as well. She heads up uh, the Western Australian Cricket Association, and has done uh, for some time now, since uh, about 2011. So it's with great pleasure I say hello and welcome uh, to the CEO of the Wacker, Christina Matthews. Thank you, Tim. Thanks for your time. Uh, you've been in the gig now for a little while, yeah. nine years. Yeah. Eight years. Eight years? Yeah. yeah. How's it going?
1: Yeah, it's, it, it's good. Um, it, it's been an up and down journey, but um, uh, it's been fantastic. I mean, I've grown as a person because yeah. of the job. Um, which is fantastic, and um, you know I've learned a lot of things I thought I'd never need to learn. Yeah. Um, but it, it, it's great, and it's terrific to see um, uh, the way now the cricket community has really come together. Um, you know, most people think of the wacker and the wacker ground, and they think of uh, men's international cricket and, and now um, BBL. Um, but our um, our mandate is so much broader than that. Mm. And and that's what I'm really pleased about. Um, Our uh, inclusion teams have just come back from um, uh, Geelong. So our our deaf, hard of hearing, intellectually disabled and um, vision impaired uh, and blind team. Um, And that's the fourth year we've sent teams away to play in a national championship. So Mm. to be able to offer opportunities for people who have um, historically not been part of the game is fantastic.
2: Yeah. I know that, uh, that, the culture uh, around cricket here in WA has been a huge focus uh, of yours. Yeah. Did you expect that mountain to be so steep when you first got here? Did you, did you know what you were, uh, what you were in for?
1: Um, look, I, no, I didn't know, um, you know, like most people, I was familiar with the Wacker Ground and yep. um, the iconic nature of matches that are played at the Wacker Ground. I didn't know much about the whack of the business, and, um, and, um, you know, had gone through some lean years on, on the field and um, had, um, you know, about 10 years before I'd come and gone through some lean times financially. Um, the administration just before I came and done a wonderful job in building financial reserves, which allowed me to come in and and do some stuff that hadn't been Mm. able to be done before. So being able to have the the money to make some physical changes and put some investment into our programs helped enormously. But I think culture is really got to come from your leaders and Mm. how you behave day in, day out. So um, that's why Justin Langer was such an important part yep. of um, uh, employing him as a coach. Yeah, it, it and really was, setting a time. Yeah, it mm. was about, you know, myself and Ben Oliver at the time who'd been um, started three months after I did, knew what we wanted to bring mm-hmm. um, to the organisation and we had to absolutely make sure that our coach was of the same ilk and, yeah. um, you know, we were very lucky for, you know, yeah. s- six years um, uh justin ben and i worked really closely on all the elements ben being our high performance manager a- and then building our um, staff team too yep. so everybody players and staff understand the values and the the culture we want to bring
2: yeah uh, i want to go back to your own cricketing yeah. days and we'll get to um you know your uh, achievements with the national team uh shortly because you know you played for for australia on, on many occasions Uh do you remember the first time you picked up a bat or or threw a ball or or, yeah, or or got the gloves on as a wicketkeeper?
1: I certainly remember when I got the gloves on. I mean, I I grew up um, in, uh, as you said, I was born in Cuba, but I grew up in Nunnawadding, which is an eastern yep. suburb of yep. Melbourne. In the, and, in the
2: proper burbs there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's
1: right. And uh, in fact, when I was a kid out, we still had a gravel road <laughs> uh, and then it was, uh, it was made into a proper road. And uh, most of the kids in my street were boys. So we yep. had the, the nighttime games with the bin in the middle of the road and, and so forth. So it was all about getting the community together mm. and, and having a hit. Um,
2: Automatic wiki or did no, you? No, I didn't, no? Um,
1: you know, like most people, I wanted to bat and bowl and I wasn't real good at either of them, i <laughs> discovered. Um, uh, but uh, when I was about 12, my mum found a women's team in our local area, which was right. really um, rare. By that time, um, we were moving to Glen Waverley yep. and there was a team there that she'd driven past one day and she stopped and asked them about Can Young Girls Play. So... Um, my first year there, I was twelve, and I clearly um, remember my first game because I had no clue. So I got sent, <laughs> I got sent to fine leg, and I didn't even know that. Um, at the time, I was sent to fine leg. There was a left-hander on strike, so I thought that's where you went every yeah. time. And they had to keep telling me to shift sides, and um, I got, so you're
2: running back and forth, thinking, what, yeah, "What am I doing?" But
1: I could throw, and so yeah. they're really impressed. I could throw from the boundary, yeah, um, as a twelve-year-old. Yeah, and. Um, uh, I um, also made um, six ducks in a row before I made a run. Uh, First three (laughs) were golden ducks. And then I I was managing my improvement by – um, how many minutes I lasted first, then how many balls, and then, you know, runs started to accumulate. I, I did make a 50 in my second year, so there's vast improvement from one year to the next. But was it
2: Was it a technique issue or was it all in your mind?
1: Uh, it was pure fear. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> I was very
1: little as yeah. a 12-year-old. So, so
2: you're playing against, against oh, yeah, adults here. yeah, and yeah. And I'll
1: tell you, there, there was... The first time I went out to bat, because I didn't know, you know, all the things about you you put your um, left, uh, your right hand on glove first because of the thumb and stuff like that, and they're showing me that. Um, I go out to to bat and I I face up and they taught me about taking centre. And there's this woman at Point who, um, she was a mother with two kids. Kids were on the sidelines. And um, we were playing a team that came from the outer northern suburbs of um, Melbourne. And she'd taken her teeth out. And, and so she was glaring at me with no teeth. And I was, like, terrified. <laughs> and uh, it was part of her psychological uh, disintegration of 12-year-olds. Wow. And um, I was just, like, bang out straight away. Just a simple uh, catch, I think, to her. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think it was just um, sheer terror. And um, <laughs> But I loved her. I loved it straight away because... Um, I, I've always, and that's, that's what I love about what I do now, it's about community and being part of something. Yeah. So being part of something with others all trying to achieve the same goal mm. was, I kind of felt like I was home.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Must have been daunting, though. I mean, I imagine you were probably the only girl in the street when you first played yeah, with yeah. The, with your neighbours, yeah. and then as a twelve year old, yeah. surrounded by these these adults, yeah. six ducks in a row. Yeah, well, a lot there of was people one would other have girl,
1: uh, switched, was switched sports
2: at that point. No,
1: well, <laughs> <laughs> um, there was one other girl who was thirteen, right, and. She had an Indonesian father and an Australian mother. And in 1972, in Glen Waverley, I was like, I'd never come across someone who was of Asian background. Mm. But we became really good friends. um, And I went to her house for dinner. So I was introduced to rice. And it was really, it was a a really good experience. So the two of us, we actually won the championship that Mm. year. And uh, so to celebrate when we won, she came to my house for roast lamb and that was our celebration.
2: (laughs) (laughs) A bit of cultural exchange there. That's right. So can I ask, if you were so good at at, at pinging a ball in from the boundary when you're fielding there at fine leg, why did you become a wicketkeeper?
1: Well, clearly after my first year and six ducks in a row um, and my bowling had not set the world on fire, (laughs) I think our last game we were training – and there were some gloves there. And I think it was simply I put them on to see what it was like. And the moment I put them on, I can tell you I wasn't real good in technique or anything, but I could catch. Yeah. And I loved the fact that then the wicketkeeper, the ball was always coming back. You were always in always the game. Involved. And from then on, I, wicketkeeping um, was the thing. Mm. And as I we didn't have coaches in those days, so it's kind of figure it out for yourself. But I obviously had some drive because as a, you know, by – Fifteen and sixteen, I was writing to Rod Marsh about he would mm. started wearing cut off pads. Where did he get them done? He just had a bootmaker cut off his um, uh, batting pads and things like that. So yeah. I was clearly did he get back to you? Yeah, yeah, he wrote back to me. Um, Brilliant. And uh, um, it was uh, it was really um, lovely. And I, you know, used to hang out at the. MCG with my friends to get autographs um, from all the players. Um, Because in those days, you'd go down to the the last session was always open the gates and you could go in. And you'd learn where the players come out. And in those days, you know, they'd just leave the game and, you know, no security, no anything. Um, So I just got really engaged in the whole thing. And obviously, Rod Marsh was the gun Was he your hero then? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And um, I just loved the way he dived. And that became a bit of a thing for me. Um, and uh, eventually, I read his book, so I, tr- I copied his training methods. Um, then Ian Healy wrote a book, and you know, sort of, I learned a bit from him. And ultimately, I, I went to Queensland a few times and trained with Ian Healy. Right. Uh, and it was fifth- it was fantastic. Yeah. And, um,
2: and what did what did you learn from them from those direct uh, engagements with those people? Um, was it more sort of inspiring and and, and mentoring, or did you actually no, get it was, some, I some mean, Ian well? in
1: particular was good because he just trained with me Yeah, uh, and we talked. Mm. Um, and so it gave me confidence that, um, because I think uh, as a female in that um, world, you kind of saw, well, I saw myself as not as good mm. a, as them, but when you trained with them, you realize, well, well, I am as good, I'm doing the same things and, and, you know, I'm, I'm, catching as many balls and and things like that. But a lot of it was just learning new training drills and chatting about Um, wicket-keeping. There was a guy called Mark Atkinson who came from New South Wales um, and eventually played for Tasmania. And when I moved um, to Sydney, um, he was just breaking into underage teams and things. And he was... um, just a training junkie. You know, yep. he wanted to catch balls every day and he was sort of became my soul mate. We would go down the nets in downtown Dremoyne every day and catch at least 100 balls, yep. take, you know, 100 balls behind the stumps and things yep. like that. So I got to kind of um, fit in mm. and um, mm. when you're training with guys like that, you then get opportunities, people get to know yep. you and, and things like that. So yep. um, it was, you know, really exciting times. Yeah.
2: Well, I want to talk to you about your uh, ascension then into the, the national team. We need to take a break. This is Inspiring Stories. My guest is the CEO of The Wacker, Christina Matthews, here on 882 6PR. Back with more soon.
0: You're listening to another inspiring story brought to you by Barra and O'Day because the little things are everything. This is Inspiring Stories with Tim McMillan on 882 6PR. Brought to you by Barra and O'Day. Because the little things are everything.
2: Welcome back to Inspiring Stories. The CEO of The Wacker, Christina Matthews, is our special guest in this episode. So, so Christina, you've talked a little bit about the the heroes in your uh, younger days as you're learning the game and particularly the craft of of wicket-keeping. Becoming part of the national setup, I imagine, is quite different to how it is now. Yeah. Um, take us back to, to that time. I mean, women's cricket was barely on the radar for a lot of people then, wasn't it?
1: Oh, yeah. I think people surprised um, when I tell them when I, when I started playing club cricket in Victoria, there was over a hundred teams. Right. Um, so, you know, it's the game has gone through. I think the first women's game was played in 1885 or four in um, Bendigo. Yep. Um, and, um, uh, so there'd been some ups and downs, particularly in the war years mm-hmm. um, where men were away so women playing the game was something to watch um, and, you know, I've played in series where we had televised games. I remember one game, um, at, well, one series, um, we were playing a five-test series against England in Australia and Channel 9, uh, before every test, announced our team. Mm. Um, so there's little things like that that have happened in the journey. The difference with now, it's accepted by mainstream cricket. Mm. Um, And so it has the backing of of that, which then brought the backing of media and and broadcast. So there's consistency to what happens now. Yeah. Um, um, I I was uh, lucky or I just – I was drawn to it. But at the same time at 15 where I knew about Rod Marsh and and, and others – I also knew there was an Australian women's team. Yep. Um, strangely, in the Women's Weekly, there'd been a story of them going to England in 1976. Right. Yeah. And there was a girl who was 16 on that team. And and I was 15 or 16 at the time. And I thought, wow. Yeah. I didn't know you could do that. And so I became aware of the good female players at the same time. And, and within that, it stirred a, an ambition yep. um, to, first of all, play for Victoria and ultimately mm wouldn't it be great to play for Australia? So yeah. in those days, it was all about going to trials, getting in your state team. We had national championships. So every year we went away for about two weeks to, to play against all the other states. And they picked an Australian side after the championship. So you didn't have any surety that you have now that you're going to play every year. It was pretty much down yeah. there. If you had a bad tournament, unless you're, you know, like a superstar, you're not going to get y- picked. You're out. So it yeah. was much more ruthless. Yeah. Um, And, um, you know, at times political, Mm. Um, you know, if you didn't speak the right way or dress the right way, you know, maybe the selectors wouldn't look your way. And um, uh, so it was a a, a decent framework. But, you know, I'm pleased to be able to say coming into administration, I helped change Mm. some of that. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, I think, you know, I clearly remember Catherine Fitzpatrick, who was one of the great fast bowlers for Australia. She got dropped in a series just after I retired because she'd had a bad tournament and uh, Belinda Clark was captain by then and we had John Harmer as coach. And we talked to the selectors about we can't do that. We know Fitzy is a great player. We need to work with her through that. And that's kind of the last time that really happened. Yeah. You know, and that's going back about 97, 96, 97. Yeah. And she got back in the next year and she had a a tremendous career. Yeah it's evolving the game and nowadays um, young kids you know yeah. aspire there's a kid called Phoebe Litchfield who's playing for New South Wales and Sydney Sixers you know she started playing she's only 16 or 17 but she started playing because she saw the first year of BBL a yep. uh, WBBL and mm. she started playing and she she's kind of being seen now as the next mm. big, big next big thing
2: yeah no pressure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> can I say, as a, as a young woman aspiring to be, you know, yeah. playing for Australia and, and going on these trips yeah. abroad, yeah. Um, how much of your, your day and your week could you devote to cricket? I, I'm, assuming, I'm assuming that you had to have, you know... Yeah, I worked a, full-time. ...a day job yeah, and, a, yeah. and, a, and a plan B, if you like.
1: Oh, no, uh, how, how never, you, never a you plan B. No. <laughs> there was always only a plan A, and the plan A was to be able to do cricket for as long as I could. Yeah. So. Any, my work was designed around being able to train and, yep. and play. Um, what, what
2: were you doing for a, a day well, I, job? I, I, then, jeffed, for want of I left a school in year eleven, and,
1: yep. and um, I was a typist. Um, so I got a job as a secretary yep. um, at Melbourne Uni, and right. um, which was great. It was quite great flexibility working at a university, so I could get to training. I could train at lunchtime if I wanted to. Um, I could train before work, um, and you know they gave me the time off. Um, uh, to go and play, um, predominantly um, leave without pay because um, um, you often didn't have any holidays um, left. Um, and, um, you know, it was it was a great experience. But mm. about, oh, I think when I was about 23 or 24, I thought to myself, I'm going to be working for a very long time. I should try and work somewhere that I like what yeah. they do. Um, so it's very very um, logical in my thought. I thought I'd get a job as a secretary in a sports association because yep. then they would understand what I was trying to achieve as a cricketer. Yep. So it took me about three or four months, but eventually I got a job with what was the Victorian Football Association then is now the VFL yep. um, and, and got a job as a secretary there. Um, and, and things evolved from there. I then went got a job in administration in hockey, yep. then got working for Women's Cricket Australia as a development manager yep. and it evolved from there. But everything was aimed at being able to play cricket.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: That, that was your, yeah.
1: Yeah. your,
2: your primary yeah. objective when you yeah. wake up in the morning. And it
1: never occurred to me that I couldn't do that.
2: Yeah. 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 <laughs> I suppose you have to have that that belief, that yeah. determination, don't you? Yeah. Uh, and you went on to um, play 20 tests, 47 one-day internationals yeah. uh, spanning 11-odd years, 84 to 95, yeah. uh, multiple World Cups, 88 and 93. Uh record number of dismissals for an Aussie wicketkeeper. You you, you were vice-captain. I mean, we we simply don't have time to go through all of those achievements, but what are the standout memories for you? You know, tours to India or to England that, you know, just magic moments that really stick in yeah, your
1: mind. Yeah, look, I think there's really three key moments as a player um, my first tour was to India mm. um, and I'd never been overseas um, before I'd never so that eat-
2: was the first time you actually had a passport and used yeah, it yeah 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 right.
1: and um, I'd never eaten anything except meat and three veg
2: except that one time you went around to your yeah, Indian that's right.
1: And, and, <laughs> so <talk> uh, <laughs> that's right uh, and you know I didn't eat rice again after that. <laughs> um, so here I'm going to India, and uh, I think I lived on naan bread and chips. They they would make chips for us. And <laughs> yeah. I, I, I like Warty taking
2: his tins of baked yeah, beans over there. Yeah, I was the
1: sickest person on the tour, and I just <laughs> kept going. It was um, hilarious, but it was it was a life changing yeah. moment um, to to leave you know sort of downtown you know, Glen Waverley as it was um, and go to India. And you know, kind of not really having lived and seeing what you see there—the extremes of, of um, uh, uh, richness um, and wealth, and the the really bottom end of, of poverty—it's mm-hmm. it's just amazing. But through it all, you've got this amazingly happy people who are just. Um, Obsessed with cricket. Oh, um, and um, obsessed. We were there for yep. six weeks. We went all over the country. We met different people. We met Indira Gandhi three months before she was assassinated. Is that right? Yeah. And and How that was that.
2: Was that just a it, an organised thing. Yeah, an organised thing. thing.
1: We went to her compound. Um, we had a team photo with her. She um, uh, uh, greeted us all. Shook all our hands. Do you remember, she, did she
2: say anything to you?
1: Uh, just very uh, lovely to meet you. Mm. Um, and but. I remember shaking hands with her and I felt mm. a, a spark up mm. my arm. She had that magnetism mm. um, that you just and, – and she glowed. She sort mm. of had an aura around her. Um, and um, uh, when she was assassinated, um, each of us as members of that team felt we'd lost someone. That's mm. the impact um, yep. she had on us. It was really uh, amazing and um, the, the – the funny thing about it is the security in that compound because she was assassinated where we met her. Yeah, for us, no cameras, no this, no that, and she's assassinated by her own guards. Yep. It's just, it's an amazingly confronting world that mm. they um, live in. So, so that um, was amazing and, and set me up for a career. Um, and then um, we um, we toured England in eighty seven. We had a five test tour here, which was unbelievable. But we toured England in 87 and we were away for 10 weeks. We did a week in Ireland and then nine weeks in England. And I remember waking up more, one morning thinking, I'm a professional cricketer. I mm. um, wasn't getting paid or whatever. But all I have but to do it. <laughs> every day is train or play. Yeah. Um, and I'm with people who want to do the same thing. I just thought it was um, magic. We played at Lords. Um, and, um, you know, there was just amazing buzz around the whole tour. And then we played the World Cup in 88 in Australia and we played the final at the MCG. So growing up as a Victorian, playing on the MCG was amazing and we won. And I just remember that night when we had our celebratory dinner uh, no one could get the trophy off me. I was just so proud to, <laughs> to win a World Cup. Yeah. Um, uh, because you talk about world events and, and that's the thing for cricket. Yep. Uh, it was 50 over World Cup, so it was a, mm. m- a great experience.
2: Do you still get the gloves on occasionally
1: now? Not only if I can help or it. pick up a bat? No, no, no. no. I, Justin Lang and I played in a media match um, a few years ago um, and we both said, let's not do that again. <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah, there's no way up. From, from from So that. when
2: was the last time you actually experienced, you know, bat on ball?
1: Uh, four years ago. Is
2: that right? Yeah. At that yeah. media match. Yeah. Yeah. Why was it? Why was it?
1: It's just be can't the last move time. as well. I, it's, I mean, it's just,
2: just depressing to yeah, remember yeah, what just, you could Justin
1: do. Justin and I, he hit me some balls to warm up. Yeah. So I started doing all the things I used to be able to, do and realised, <laughs> oh my god, this is so much harder than I remember. I was huffing, and we got to it was a 20 match. We got to the tenth over, I go, oh my god, I got another ten to go. I never, I always played fifty overs or tests. I never played that shorter game. So I'm going, yeah. how bad am I? Can't yeah. get past ten overs. But, um, I tell you what, you're still competitive though. I yeah. bet. Yeah, and yeah. That's the thing. That it stops you from You've doing still got it. the edge. You just, yeah. just yeah. the
2: body's not as willing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We need to take a break. Christina Matthews is our special guest. This is inspiring stories on eight eighty two six br. Back with more in a moment.
0: You're listening to another inspiring story brought to you by Barra and O'Day because the little things are everything. This is Inspiring Stories with Tim McMillan on 882 6PR. Brought to you by Barra and O'Day. Because the little things are everything.
2: Welcome back to WA's Inspiring Stories. Everyone has a story to tell. This one, Christina Matthews, is brought to you by Barra and O'Day. Christina, was it hard to, to give up the game professionally? You clearly loved it. <laughs> did uh, you know it was time? Did you feel it was time when you, when you eventually did? Put the gloves down?
1: Uh, certainly when I made the decision, I, yep. I knew it was time. But it What was probably, going on
2: in your life then that made you feel like it was ready?
1: Um, well, I was working in, in cricket. Yep. Um, so I was working for Women's Cricket Australia and I was managing all our pathway programs yep. and um, the Australian youth team and all the programs leading up to the Australian team. And I knew the Australian team setup could be better, but I wasn't allowed to have anything to do with it while I was mm. playing. So I was one of the lucky ones who was able to step out of playing and still be in the environment because yep. I moved straight into them being able to um, uh, set up the framework um, for the Australian team. So, But it took me two or three years of thinking about, because I retired when I was 35. Yep. So from about 32, you're kind of going, should I or shouldn't I? But then the moment comes and it's right. And there's no doubt. Mm. So I think if you're in that mind frame of should and shouldn't, you're not ready. Yeah. Because when you're ready, you know. Yeah. And um, so I was able to um, step out and start, um, uh, as I said, managing the program. And that's what I really love is, you know, being part of a team is good, but – Just making things better. Mm. So my job, no matter where I am, is ensuring that it's better than when I left. And in the team, I was the same. I want to make sure the team culture is better when I left it than when I came in, the programs I ran, and the the same at the WACA. And in in my playing days, I was a bit unusual because around my early 20s, I I sought sponsorship for myself with bat companies and, and um, clothing companies and things, and then I organised for other players. How did that go, by the way? You know, was it a, was it a
2: real struggle?
1: No, it was just um, real naivety. Yeah, I just you know you say oh well I'll ring them up.
2: That sounds extraordinary that you were having to go out and knock on doors yourself.
1: Yeah, to, well, get,
2: to get your stuff, your gear paid. Well, we for. didn't get
1: anything. We we, yeah. we paid for anything, and, and you know some people chose not to. Buy their blazers and things, so they just yeah. borrowed someone who'd played before and, and things like that. So it was kind of just the world we lived in. So, yeah. um, you know, you get to know different companies, and uh, you know, there, there was a back company called um, Simons out of mm. India, um, and they were trying to break into the Australian market. So mm. I just rang them and said, Look, I'm you know, I've just played in India. I've bought a couple of bats there. I'd really like to talk to you. And they said, yeah, come in. And, you know, they were just giving gear. There was no Mm. money attached to it. So then I got a couple of other players to sign up with them. And, um, you know, working at the VFA, I came across a few different suppliers. So Mm. Puma supplied me my gear, um, sort of my whole playing career. And then – uh, after about four years of playing for Australia I switched over to Kookaburra yeah. and was with Kookaburra for the rest of my life and even now I'm a bit obsessive about everybody using Kookaburra <laughs> here They was so good to me yeah. um, and um, you know I just thought it was Christmas you'd go down to the Kookaburra factory in Moorabbin in Melbourne and they take you around the warehouse and go, okay, what do you need? And, yeah. And, and things like that. and
2: We won't talk about the kookaburra ball then. That seems to be um, <laughs> losing favour <I>, with some. <laughs> I, the, it, you know, it's,
1: it's interesting, isn't it? The ball is, is um, such a, a topic of, of conversation, but it's obviously a hard art because not many people make them. No. Yeah. So, um, yeah. yeah, I have a bit of um, sympathy for them, but they're the experts. They've got to get it right.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. Um, do you remember your last game as a as a pro when you, you, you obviously know you're retiring? Yeah, yeah. You, how how was your you know your last innings and your last stint uh, behind the,
1: yeah, the stumps
2: a, there as as a keeper? It
1: was a test match in in uh, New Zealand. Yeah. Um, I remember the team did a guard of honour mm-hmm. for me, which was uncommon in those days. So, mm-hmm. you know, it was um, really touching. I remember the last time I batted because it was completely irresponsible. I thought. I am just going to enjoy that. And I threw my bat at everything. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I came off and the coach and the captain said what were you doing? And I said
2: <laughs> go blaze of glory. enjoying myself. Yeah. <laughs> and they
1: said can you not do that in the second innings? <laughs> Anyhow we didn't have a second inning so uh, I-, I didn't uh, get another chance. So um, you won
2: obviously or did it rain out? No we yeah. had, it was a draw. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It just yeah. beat
1: it out. Because we, we were playing um, when we started we only played three day tests yep. and then we moved to four. Yep. And we've played one five day test um, in History and I was playing in that, um, so I have I have a, a, a bit of understanding of where the guys are coming hmm. from on wanting four-day tests, but um, because you you do adjust. Um, but uh, yeah, there was more draws than wins and losses. Yeah. Um, in Test cricket for us at, at the time, and um, uh, yeah, the the last game it was really um, emotional. I, I was probably. Um, more emotional about my last state game because that's what you did all the time. Um, So, um, again, I remember the coach of our state team bringing me a rose for my last team meeting. But more than anything, I remember the last time I had to warm up. That was just gold. Mm. I was just like stretching, going... I don't like to say anything else, but I don't have to do this ever again. It's the worst part of your day. Is, oh, go for a run and do – I mean, they don't do it like that anymore, but it was just go Torture. for a lap, we'll do these stretches. It was just – oh, it was yeah. so tedious.
2: Last stretching routine you've oh, done. yeah. Pretty yeah. much. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to talk about the, the, you know, the cultural reset that you – set up set about instilling here in, in, yeah. in wa and and particularly on the the topic of mental health but yeah. um, if I may um, mental health became a real priority for you particularly after the loss of your father yeah yeah um, can you, can you tell us about that and how that impacted you know you as a as a young person growing up
1: yeah so my, my father um, committed suicide when I was 17 he was 47 um, yeah. Um, and obviously that's a, a big shock uh, mm. to the family. My brother and I, um, found him, um, uh, passed away and, um, yeah, I mean, it's obviously a defining moment for
2: because that's a that's a that's a big time. And I mean, seventeen is yeah, you know, it's, yeah, it's a really important stage. And I was life, like, we
1: it? he and I spent a lot of time together. He was yeah. the one who took me to cricket, who practiced yeah. with me, and, and all that um, sort of stuff. He'd become president of my cricket club yeah. and, and and so forth. So for me, it was a, a, a big hole, but it was also um, it's incredible learning experience um, for all sorts of reasons. Now th- this is back in the 70s, and you didn't talk about it. No. Because if you talked about it, you were mad. Mm. So the only people who did that were mad people. Um, no one talked about mental health or anything like that. You were just nuts. Um, and so, you know, for effectively 10 years, we talked about the fact that he'd had a heart attack. Um, Is that right? So, yeah. So
2: it was publicly put out there
1: Yeah, yeah. As a now, heart attack? Most people yeah. knew, Yeah, but when we talked about it, we talked about it being a heart attack. Right. And then I just remember one day... And I never spoke about it I, other than that. One day I just thought, this is ridiculous. I, you know, I've got to be able to talk about it. And when I remember it was a very clear decision, I said, when the next person who asked me, I'm going to tell them. Yep. And of course, it's a shock to people. So you've got to be ready for them to also be shocked. So you've got to be able to carry the conversation on because they don't know what to say. And through those days, you had a lot of people who talk about suicide as the coward's way out and, you know, and all that. So I then took it as a chance to um, use my experience to let people know maybe that's not what it's about. I don't think um, in those days we wouldn't have known. I I couldn't tell you why he did it. Did he have mental health issues? Mm. You can only assume that he did, but Mm. was it anxiety? Was it clinical we don't know no
2: clear signs that you can remember that no, no. might've no. given he some didn't, rise to it. Yeah.
1: He, he didn't write a note, you know, mm. that told you about his angst. He just, yep. he basically just wrote a note to my mum saying, I'm sorry, you know, love mm. Ron. Yep.
0: Um,
1: and, and so it was never clear to us what he, um, what his challenges yep. um, were. Um, and, um, so, you know, it sort of gave me a chance to educate people. And then as I got older, um, You know, I understood my own mental health challenges, whether that's um, anxiety, um, whether that's situational depression, or anything like that. And the one thing I learnt from it is the fact that it's never that bad. Like you start thinking about how bad something that someone wants to not be there the next day. Yeah. Um. So it taught me that nothing should ever get that bad. Um. And um. You know, over time, I, I have a lot to do with the ride for youth and youth focus. Um, here, um, And that's just my opportunity to raise some funds and create um, an a, um, environment where young people can now go yeah. and talk about um, these things. I mean, it's so prevalent in society now. I mean, it's great that we talk about it, but I'm not sure that we understand it the way we need to understand yep. it, particularly in sport. Mm. And I sometimes get frustrated um, when athletes go on a bender, and then they have a break for mental health. And and to me, that belittles people who have mental health problems. I'm not saying they don't, but the the connection between alcohol and drugs and mental health, I don't think is fair. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and,
2: and yet you are sitting atop the tree of a of a, a big sporting organisation. Yeah. I mean, it really is our national yeah. sport, isn't it, across yeah. the 12 months, yeah. um, cricket, results-driven. You know, you're, you're obviously involved in, in community programs as well at the, at the lower level, yeah. but also at the, at the elite end where yeah. results are maybe not everything, but pretty close to everything. Yeah. Um, how do you strike that, that balance given that you do have um, other priorities as well as, you know, obviously results, but you want to build that culture. You want people to be able to talk about things like mental health and, yeah. and in- inclusivity and that sort of yeah. stuff.
1: Oh, look, I think uh, part of it is the language you use. So we never talk about results in a winning at all costs and things Mm. like that. We talk about creating an environment where success will follow um, and ensuring in terms of on field that we're competitive all the time. If if you get yourself and develop yourself in a competitive way, you're going to win your fair share. Of, of tournaments. So you want people to be preparing themselves and getting themselves ready. Um, the, the mental challenges that come with um, an environment like we're in that um, results, yep. i.e. Um, whether you get a duck or a hundred affect you in, in terms of how you approach the next game, um, what you've bowled like and things like that. So we, we try and help our players understand and how to uh, manage that. Um, uh, you know, I think you know, I'm a firm believer that the stuff that went wrong with um, Australian cricket a couple of years ago was because we got singularly focused on winning yep. at, at, at all costs.
2: Which is an easy trap to fall into, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, and you don't even know you're yeah. doing it.
1: Yeah. Um, but you're focusing on winning, winning, winning um, without thinking about, well, how's that affecting the players? Do that? Do they understand what yeah. that means? Now, clearly, um, uh, Dave Warner yep. did not understand that there was a – boundary to that and then others got brought into that web mm. as well so you want to make sure you everybody's understanding and yep. you can't say it once mm. you've got to say it repeatedly mm. and there's no different off the field um you know we've had a staff member suicide uh, um and that taught us a lot and really started our journey in terms of our staff so mm. we we have a very comprehensive yep. health and well-being program peer support workers and, and so forth and um, yep. with our um team um, uh, we've got a full-time psychologist, player welfare managers, so that we've got the resources players need yeah. and, and our staff need as well. Yeah.
2: Just on the on that ball-tampering moment, obviously Steve Smith and, and Dave Warner would have gone into their own support networks yeah. and setups in, in New South Wales. Yeah. But um, I'm not sure if you're at liberty to talk about it, but do you, what did you say to a, a, a young and, and vulnerable Cam Bancroft when he came back to WA? Oh,
1: look, I think the important thing, um, with Cam is we let him know that we were there for him. Mm. We didn't excuse his actions and he had to be accountable for his actions, but we would help him get through it. So yep. we, we effectively wrapped our arms around him to help him get through it. And, I, um, you know, during the period they had to do some, um, about 100 hours of community work. So I I took control of that because I wanted to make sure we were doing stuff that would improve him as a person i mean it would have been really easy just to sit in the cricket world and do clinics and that counts but he did some fantastic things and he was very open to doing as many hours as helped other people um it didn't he wasn't going to get to 100 and go that's it i'm done he goes whatever you want me to do um it was for him it was um he was grieving he'd lost the the most important thing in his life so he went through enormous ups and downs but our sol- psychologist was fantastic, was there for him, whatever he needed. it. Our um, high-performance staff um, uh, were fantastic. And he knew he could talk to any of us at any time. And we we kept checking in on him. Yep. And um, so when he um, came back to play, he had all the support he needed. And then it was then him mm. getting himself ready yep. um, to face the um, yep. the crowds, if you like.
2: Yeah which, yeah, which can't have been easy. No, no. Uh, this is Inspiring Stories. We need to take another break. Christina Matthews is our special guest. After the break, I want to hear about uh, A Vision for the Whacker. Yep. Because it's been a... <laughs> A fairly hot topic and yeah. a constantly changing topic, hasn't yeah. it? <laughs> what, the, what on earth is going on yeah. uh, with the wacker? And a little bit about uh, what you do, maybe outside of cricket, to yeah. keep your sanity intact. Uh, this is inspiring stories on eight eighty two six br. Back with more in a
0: moment. This is inspiring stories with Tim McMillan on eight eighty two six br. Brought to you by Barra and O'Day because the little things are
2: everything. Our special guest in this episode is the CEO of the Wacker, Christina Matthews. So Christina, I hear you've uh, instilled bring your work uh, bring your dog to work day. At yeah, the
1: yeah, we've been doing it for um, years now. Um, my partner gets cranky because I stole the idea from her. <laughs> she gets no credit for it. Her. Um, well, but here's yeah, your chance. Yeah. <laughs> and um, but yeah, we just uh, every Friday someone gets to nominate and bring their dog.
2: So it's uh, it's just dogs running a market the way. Oh, they know. It's yeah. one person at a time. <laughs> oh, if, if they've okay. got two dogs, they
1: can bring two. But it's right. one dog at okay. a time. Yeah. Except with mine, I just bring them randomly. Yeah. And well, uh, you're the boss. You yeah, yeah. Yeah. So but it, it makes a massive difference. Yeah. And um, you know, it just relaxes people. You see all those stories about yep. um, aged care and taking mm. animals in. It's the same thing in your workplace. Yeah.
2: So. You're a mad keen cyclist, Yeah, I hear. Is, yeah. That, is that therapy for you, just getting away, getting on the bike and just... Pounding out the miles.
1: I'm a mad keen not for a good cyclist. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's just uh, it's getting out in the open air. It's exercising. Um, you know, I'm a bit older now, so running's really difficult. And cycling, you don't get the same ache in your joints yep. as you do. Um, I, I probably got into it because of the Ride for Youth, doing mm-hmm. the Albany to Perth ride um, a, a few times. And and now every year we do a cycling trip with a group of friends to a destination in Europe, so yep. a 10-day trip it's brilliant. It's a great way to see um, the world, and it gets you out of the big cities and into the sort of little villages. So it's fantastic. Yeah. Um, but I've also discovered the joys of electric bikes. I've got an electric bike as well,
0: <laughs> and I tell
1: you, that is the best fun. Every that time I get on my is electric bike, cheating. I, no, I'm like I'm twelve <laughs> years old. It's brilliant. <laughs>
2: Um, there's been a lot happen, obviously, with cricket here yeah. in, in terms of infrastructure as much as anything. Obviously, yeah. you know, you've know, yeah. you overseen the, yeah. the explosion of the BBL. Yeah. We've now got uh, this magnificent yeah. uh, Optus Stadium here.
1: Yeah.
2: What is the WACA going to look like? Gazing into your crystal ball, tell us, what is the WACA going to look like in five years?
1: Oh, in five years, um, it'll be uh, a maximum of t- uh, capacity of 15,000 people. Yep. We're looking at a permanent capacity of 10 with uh, 5,000 added in for whatever events are. Um, it'll have um, really good community facilities as what we as well as what we need for our high performance and our staff and our um, uh, how we deliver our programs an indoor center, That can be used by community groups as well as um, uh, cricketers. So any sport, pull the nets back and they can do indoor training, which is sadly lacking in Mm -hmm. in, um, um, Perth. Um, We'll have um, a a modern um, function facilities, cafe, uh, an interactive museum. um, and. Um, an open public space that we, we possibly can have events for Perth Festival, Fringe Festival a, and areas where the local community yep. can come a, a, and engage. So
2: A real multi-purpose yeah, venue. Yeah, yeah. Um,
1: and, and for the whole community and, you know, I talked about our um, disability programs, ensuring we got the facilities that make it easy to for them for, for everyone. to um, yep. train. Yeah.
2: And, and yet we sit here in a beautiful new studio in our beautiful new yeah. stadium here yeah. uh, at Optus Stadium and we still don't know if we've secured an India test. Does that just astound you?
1: Yeah, I, look, I am I just don't understand. To me, it's so clear yep. um, that this is the best stadium in the country other than capacity. MCG is mm. obviously bigger. Um, it, its time zone is perfect uh, yep. for India. Its time zone for a day-night test in the East Coast is perfect. Um, the players' facilities have stated that there, there is not a negative to it at all. So, um, you know, we wait with bated breath. We're putting a formal proposal to Cricket Australia in the next um, uh, uh, couple of weeks, um, the announcement's in April. Um, So we'll wait and see.
2: We could speak for hours trying to unpick the politics of uh, cricket in Australia and the world, but we won't. (laughs) Um, The Women's World Cup coming up, how are we going to go?
1: Well, um, I mean, we're... Red-hot favourites. Uh, Australia's playing uh, Sri Lanka at the Wacker Ground on the 24th. Um, yep. It's 3 o'clock in the afternoon, which they've done for um, broadcast in India and East Coast. Um, but it's going to be fantastic. You've got medlanning Elise Perry, um, uh, Alyssa Healy and Megan Chute all in the Superstars. top um, three in mm. the world um, for, yep. for their particular um, skills. Um, and, and we've got games on the 22nd and 23rd. England, South Africa on the 23rd as Sunday. So it would be great. All at the Wacker ground. Yep. Um, come down, bring your picnics, your rugs. It'll be great.
2: And just finally, and I, I perhaps haven't left enough time for you to answer this, but you've been now at the Wacker eight years.
1: Yeah.
2: Uh, when it is time to call mm. stumps. Yeah. What would you like your legacy to be? Uh,
1: I'm, uh, I'm really proud that we've finally got government funding um, uh, to work on the whacker, and so um, the the victories you have come and go but being able to secure funding and develop the ground you know I'll, I'll leave pretty mm. proud of being able to do that
2: Yeah, We'll watch with interest if anyone can do it I'm sure you can.
1: Thanks very much
2: Christina Matthews thank you so much for coming in and sharing your story we appreciate it Okay thank you. You've been listening to Inspiring Stories again here on 882 6PR don't miss out on the little moments because the little moments are everything We look forward to you joining us again next time as we unearth another WA inspiring story.
0: You're listening to another inspiring story brought to you by Barra and O'Day because the little things are everything. When making the double chicken deluxe at Macca's, we wanted to improve on the perfect combo of tender Aussie chicken with cheese, tomato and aioli. So we doubled it. Chicken and Macca's together and loving it.